Hello everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Curious K podcast. My name is Kolapo and I'm your host. And of course I miss you guys, it's been a while, uh, we dropped uh, uh, a new episode, but we're just trying to do something differently about the podcast. And right now we are trying to roll out a Web3 series uh themed version of the curious Cape podcast and in this web3 series i'll be having conversation with founders key stakeholders across african continents and beyond uh to demystify web3 and the opportunities in the space so before we go in i would just like to give a quick background uh, on web3 uh, and as you know web3 has been generating a lot of hype uh, from metaverse to decentralized finance to nfts and beyond and basically and web3 is just trying to imagine an internet built powered and owned by its users uh, instead of a few major tech companies like amazon google facebook apple uh, web3 is trying to envision where social media users, for example, can monetize their own data. Content creators could receive crypto payments directly every time someone views their latest post. Imagine how powerful that is going to be. And ride-sharing platforms could be owned by the drivers, you know. And this is the promise of Web3 to, to build a decentralized internet uh, upon an open, permissionless blockchain network. All right. And on that basis, we'll be having conversation about what Web3 is, what are some of the opportunities that we can explore uh, in Nigeria, in Africa, and a whole lot of exciting stuff. And this episode features Rafael Edema, who is the CEO at Nightlife Labs, a company with a goal to innovate the future of gaming by building games cutting edge technologies Raphael, welcome to curiosity podcast hey man thanks for having me yeah it's a pleasure and thanks you for thank you for taking out the time to join us today yeah i, I remember the last time we met i told you i've been waiting to be a part of this podcast i was just wondering where you're going to call me and say Raphael, come be on the podcast <laughs> so it's nice to be here yeah yeah absolutely it's a pleasure i'm excited that we're doing this uh, I'm, I'm really very, very excited, excited about. I mean, this great conversation we're going to have about Web three, which I know is a space we are very passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for a while now. It's it's all I I do. It's all I think about. I wake up and what am I going to be doing right now? It's all related to crypto. All related to Web three. Absolutely. All right, Raphael. So can, can you tell us about uh, like the evolution of the internet, right? You know, the conversation is Web3, all right? So definitely before three, there has to be one and two, all right? So tell us about that flow from like the internet, from the Web1 version to where we currently are. Yeah, um, I would, I would um, look at it from the point of view of a gamer. Uh, I think from Web1, web Web one was more static. It was basically just um, um, information is being given to you. There is no interaction with it. You were just getting the information that um, was put there by the 
um, developers, basically. But now we moved on to Web3, Web2, where everybody was a creator. Everybody was a content creator. We had social media platforms that came up and give people the opportunity for them to be able to put out their contents out there and people can be able to consume those contents. It's now more interactive. There's this flow, give and take situation happening with the web, web too. And also, if I relate it to gaming, it's, you know, there's that interaction between the user and the environment in the games that they play. But now comes a situation where it's way more immersive than what you would be used to. Immersion in the sense that the interaction has gone up a, a whole other level. It's not more about just um, putting your content out there. Now you hone those contents that you put out. You can actually hone the content that you put on, fa- on uh, a platform like Facebook. Um, right now, you make a post on Facebook. It's not exactly, it's just your post. You posted it. But the post itself is on Facebook. And um, Facebook can decide to delete that post. They can decide to, to, to take it out. But um, with what is happening with Web3, whatever po- content you put out there is yours. And also, if I relate it to gaming, um, for a gamer, I, I have bought stuff in games before that I play. And when I buy them, I buy them within that game. And it's on that game, it's on that server, it's owned by the gaming platform that gave me the opportunity to buy it. I don't really own it. I just own it within that game. But with Web3, I own it, like, literally, I have that value to myself because I can easily be able to transfer it to someone else for some form of conversation not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be for money, but it's some form of compensation I can get back for owning that particular thing. And with the current drive towards the interoperability, it will be possible for me to be able to move that asset between other um, um, games, and which is what we're really, really working hard to be able to deliver at Nightlife Labs. All right, Raphael, t- t- thank you for talking about that, right? So, I mean, based on the way you were able to break down the evolution of Web3, static, Web2, uh, more interactive, and Web3 is championing ownership. Uh, so, right now, everything happened on the internet is still, we, we're still running on Web2 platform, right? And uh, a lot of uh, skeptics are kind of questioning uh, the future of Web3, that is it truly possible? Uh, because this is still the very early stage of Web3. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm a gamer, yeah? And I belong to a lot of gaming communities. And uh, sometimes, whenever I mention that I build Web3-based video games, um, I get this funny remarks like you guys are doing rubbish, <laughs> and I, it's it's understandable because um, the kind of games that we we are seeing now in Web three are not the kind of games I would play. Um, a, a core gamer would not play those games. So there is that nuance where they feel you guys are not doing anything that would make me want to move. You know, they 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 don't see that value just yet, and. Um, it's still a lot of money chasing 
um, thing for a lot of people. A lot of them just chase the money, chase the money. I've been in situations where um, I get asked if I'm one of those moon boys kind of games. That's what we are trying to do again. Because most of the people that get into the space, get into the space for the purpose of just making money, not really creating value. And um, I, I, I will speak about these things from a gaming perspective because that's what I have some form of uh, um, authority on. And I will tell you, in the gaming space, they're hiring so many Web3-based games right now that are really good. And that is why the average gamer would not tell you he wants to play a Web3-based game. Mm. He, yeah, he, he will tell you you're not ready yet. So it's those kind of things that will give people the assumption that Web3 is not going to um, last because of some bad actors. But trust me, it happens. It's one of those things. And I'm very certain that over time, as we keep building, as we keep expanding on the tech, it will become the new normal. And everybody will no longer call it Web3. It will just be web, you know? Mm. It will just be the normal. Cool, cool. Yeah, so tell us about, like, the current state of Web3 ecosystem in Nigeria. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are quite a number of events, ecosystem meetups around Web3 that is happening here and there. Uh, but it's still very early. Uh, I think there is a conference happening around blockchain as well. So what are your thoughts about the current state of, of, of like, the Web3 ecosystem in Nigeria? And if you can extend it to maybe other, other part of Africa. It's huge. I have to, I have to confess, um, Web3 in Nigeria is huge. Uh, we have a lot of people that are involved in this space. We have a lot of people that are building in this space. Um, but although with all this hugeness that I keep um, bringing up, the, the numbers are not so... Um, in the right direction. I will explain what I mean by that. Um, I remember I remember a situation where, I don't know if you know of this guy called Paco. Paco travels the world talking about Bitcoin and he wants people to use Bitcoin to um, buy stuff. So um, it com- I, com- I thought I had somebody in Abuja here that I could um, get glasses from using Bitcoin. Only for me to find out I... I it wasn't the person. The person that I thought I was speaking to was in Lagos. So I had this unfortunate incident of um, begging a woman in the market to accept Bitcoin for for um, the glasses. And they started calling me a scammer, a mm. thief, because I offered for glasses in Bitcoin. Now, Usually, with the numbers you see online, you will see that, oh, Nigerians are doing a lot of volume in when it comes to crypto transactions. We're doing a lot of volumes. We're doing a lot of events. But the other side is Nigeria is big. Nigeria is a big co- country with so many people. We have mm. more than 200 million people. <laughs> so we are a lot of people. There is a lot of work. There's a lot of work for us to do, for us to really say, oh, we've penetrated, we've um, gotten through to these people. And I've been to these events, I've been to some events, even though I have only recently just started interacting with the ecosystem in Nigeria. I've been to some events and it's usually the same people, you know, it's the same guys we meet together, the same... um, Ladies, it's not so much different. 
Uh, that's why whenever I see people that are doing stuff where they are trying to get more people to be aware of crypto, I love it. I always, I always champion them. I always talk high about them. What you're doing is hard work. We have the numbers. If you check the data, Nigeria is doing a lot of a lot of um, volume, but those those are just on a segmented level. It's just a few people that are doing these volumes. And another fun fact is a lot of this Web three blockchain stuff. The most of the people involved are just doing it for trade. They're just buying and they're just selling. They're not really interested in the technology itself. So those of us that are building on it were, were a bit peculiar, you know, even though you, you, you start seeing, oh, he's a blockchain um, developer, he's a founder in the blockchain space. Trust me, we all almost know each other. We're not so many anymore. <laughs> we all almost know each other. And, uh, but I think it's growing. I, I, I'm very hopeful for it to actually transform um, the way you see the data to actually seeing it happening on ground where people can actually say, oh, okay, this is it. I understand what this means. And I know it's the future because it is the future. It is. And nobody can be able to stop it. I just hope uh, a lot more people get involved at the early stage. Absolutely. I mean, thank you, Raphael, for, for sharing that. I think that's really exciting. You know, and the story of trying to buy uh, a glass in the market with Bitcoin. And I mean, people <laughs> still understand it. You know, it just shows there's a lot of education that has to be done in that space. Imagine we get to a point where you want to take a bus from Lekki to Oshodi and you can pay with Bitcoin. Yeah, I can't wait for that to happen, honestly. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the use cases, right? You know, there are some use cases of Web3 that are gaining traction, <clears throat> like mm. DeFi, decentralized finance, uh, NFTs, uh, decentralized gaming. I, I know you, you, your work is more related to the gaming side. So, of course, I would like you to start from there uh, in terms of the traction in the space, what I like the opportunity. I know there are some companies or some startups that have raised uh, quite a number of funding, even in this space in Nigeria. So if you can just break it down, all right, when people hear about decentralized gaming, what comes to, what should come to their mind? Uh, so maybe we can explore NFTs and DeFi's as well, but we can start with the gaming. Yeah, okay. So um, when you tell me about gaming on the blockchain, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, interoperability, the ability for me to be able to move my assets from one point to the other within mm. um, this um, secure system. And also another thing that comes to my mind is freedom. I'm not stuck within this platform. I have access to other platforms and I don't have to we start all over again on all these other platforms. You know, there's this connection that happens once, um, even though it's, uh, honestly, it's not really there yet. We're still building the tech out, but we see it happening within the next couple of years where 
all of these promises of Web3 gaming or decentralized gaming will come to fruition, but we're still not um, just about there yet. So when you tell me about Web3 gaming, I, I think about the, the opportunities that are bound. You know, um, I can be able to play, I can be able to play a game and win something out of that game like win some form of um, reward. And that reward can actually be turned into physical asset. And that can only happen. That is being championed by the use of NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And it's really important for, if you look at Web3 games, all of them integrate NFTs into it because it's NFTs that make it possible. It's NFTs that ensure that ownership that you can say, oh, this user owns this this item, this asset. This user owns it. And when it changes, you can easily say, oh, this user has transferred this asset to this other user. So there is that um, immutable um, record of all these transactions that are happening. So there won't be unnecessary bugs. There won't be situations where what you um, have earned will not come to you because something happened, you know, as fast as you have earned it and as far as the blockchain has already authenticated it, it's yours. So those are the those are the things that excite me about blockchain gaming. The fact that I can actually play these games, hone assets within these games and, you know, enjoy playing it. You know, I think the one part of... Uh, blockchain gaming that I don't find exciting right now as a gamer is the old conversations of um, playing to earn. Yeah, I know. This is controversial. Uh, (laughs) Immediately I say say sometimes a lot of people are like, what do you mean? I don't like the the, the perspective of saying um, or the perception of saying play to earn. Mm. I would rather play and earn you know um don't tell me to play to earn because playing to earn is giving me this vibe of i'm um working yeah i would be playing the game just so i can be earning so that's work games are entertainment they are supposed to entertain you so if you're doing it for work it becomes at some point it becomes boring Hmm. even though it's an, it's an immersive and entertaining product, at some point it becomes boring. You lose perspective of um, if you approach it that way. So in my company, we, we, we tell you play and earn. Come play the game and earn while playing it. Enjoy the game. That is why good gameplay is major for us. We don't, we don't joke about it. Good gameplay is very, very serious for us because we want, we are gamers and we understand what a gamer wants. And we know that um, just playing to earn is not it. I mean, we spend money on games. We, we don't play games so we can make money. You know, we spend spend to play games. So, uh, but now we see now there's an opportunity for us to spend money in the game, get assets, and later if we get bored with it or we don't need it anymore, we can sell it to someone else and get the money back. Hmm. Or 
if we're so good at it, if I'm so good at the game, I can get rewarded for being really good. It's it's a good reward system, other than the whole um, play to earn like it's a job. I know this is going to be controversial. Trust me, after this episode gets out, you're going to have, um, have people asking you, what does it mean? <laughs> but it's, it's really what I like to preach every time I get a chance to talk about um, gaming in Web3. So yeah, um, that is me. That is the major use case that I have for Web3 in gaming. And if you talk about DeFi and um, NFTs... So- yeah, so maybe before we go to DeFi, maybe we will break down NFTs, right? Because you, you mentioned that most decentralized games or Web3 games integrate NFTs, right? Uh, so let us know what NFTs are. Okay, yeah. So an NFT is a non-forgeable token. What that means is it has no replica. It's just that one. So even if the NFT has multiples, the fact is, even though it's a multiple, it's the number one thing, something of that multiple. So it's still in itself unique. So all NFTs are unique. They, are, they have their own value attached in that uniqueness. And the, the reason it's important for, for NFTs is because it's like uh, a certification of ownership. It means you own this thing on the blockchain. And as far as it's on the blockchain, and we all know the blockchain is immutable, that means it cannot be changed. That means it's definitely this person's property. So that is the importance of NFTs. Um, in um, Like when you buy your artwork, when you buy artworks, they give you a certificate of authenticity, yeah? But with NFTs, NFTs are now the new certificate of authenticity. People buy artworks right now as NFTs and they get the physical copies, but it's also um, indicated on the blockchain that they own that, that particular painting. And, uh, you know, recently we've seen situations where artworks um, have been sold as NFTs, digital hearts have been sold as NFTs, and also there's this new trend for NFTs to have utilities. I think not all NFTs need to have utilities. Um, A cool painting shouldn't have utility. It should just be a painting. Yeah. You know? And if I bought it as an NFT, I have it as an NFT. I can use it to decorate my my, um, virtual space. Soon we're going to be having virtual homes uh, in the metaverse. So as far as I have the NFT, I can put it on my on my wall on that my virtual home. You know, there is that value attached to it. So it doesn't necessarily have to have utility in the sense of oh, um, you hold it, you can get rewarded for this. I think um, a, a lot of people that come into the NFT space looking at it from that direction are missing the point. They are missing the point is not all of them are supposed to have utilities, but there are those that without utility, it doesn't make sense, which is the game kind of NFTs. Okay. NFTs that involve games or NFTs that involve metaverses. Because, yeah, um, it's how you can be able to use it within the space. It's an asset. 
So um, say I my game now, and um, we have a car racing game called Nightlife Drifting. We are still building it. It's not done yet. And it has an open world feature, like a metaverse. So the cars are NFTs. The parts of that those cars are NFTs. So my car, once I get it, I can drive around the place with my car. But I want to change it. I don't necessarily have to just keep it like I would do in normal games. I can sell it as the NFT to someone else and someone else owns it. Then I can use the proceeds from what I sold it for to buy another car. The same way I would do in real life, you know? So now those kind of NFTs are um, uh, need utility. They have utilities in this specific space that they are built for. So in, in the space that I just talked about, our car racing game, there's a car which is serving as an NFT. We have even land as NFT, which has its own purpose. We have billboards as NFTs, who have, which have their own purpose. So NFTs are basically the next frontier in ownership. As we move ahead, soon enough, everybody is going to, at some point, have an NFT. Even identities will soon become NFTs, soon enough. Hmm, cool. So essentially, they are like digital assets, right? And um, you, you, you talked about uh, artworks, images, right? Can you also have NFTs? Can you, have, can you also have songs and NFTs, videos as NFTs? Of course. Of course. Every kind of um, creative content can become an NFT. I mean, the, the first tweet done by uh, Jack Dorsey sold as an NFT and sold for millions. So, yeah. Any any creative content can become an NFT. So this podcast episode right now, we can we can turn into an NFT, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, my man. You can you can make it an NFT. And some somebody may just be interested enough to just buy it off our, off your hands. Cool, cool. I mean, that's that's really interesting. I mean, it's amazing about I mean the opportunities in this space and I mean, what, what we can also build, you know, as innovators and as content creators, you know, across the globe, especially for, for African entrepreneurs. All right. Yeah. So do, do you want to talk, do you want to touch on DeFi as well? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I have little knowledge concerning DeFi. I just know, um, I just know that it's the next thing that, is going to change things. Um, now, when you want to take a loan from the bank, it's crazy, crazy procedure, right? Yeah. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of trouble. But there is a DeFi platform that someone has already staked some tokens there so that you can come take a loan. So can you so break that... down stake? So once you say stake, what does that mean? Okay, um, staking is a way for for hedging. Like, um, say you have some funds and you just don't want to buy the token. You want to um, provide some liquidity for that token or for that platform. So you stake, meaning you provide your liquidity and you get there's um, a special token associated with staking for any protocol. And you get that 
and in the future you get renumerations some um, um, APY interest from the activities on that platform or from that project and in the future you can decide to pull out your your funds anytime you want although sometimes um, some of them use contracts that they are locked for a certain period of time some for six months some for a year some you know it depends on the contract you're going into so it's basically providing funds for the system to be able to operate all right all right cool so thank you for sharing that uh, rafael uh, so let's talk about yeah. nightlife labs all right mm-hmm. uh, i mean this has been coming up uh since the beginning of uh, of this podcast right so tell us about i mean nightlife labs and what has been the experience building it uh yeah building nightlife has been <laughs> it has been exciting and it has been difficult so to say uh, i remember when the conversation started in my head like when i started thinking about it it seemed really, really weird, but it's something, gaming is something I always had a passion for. So um, the decision to, to go into gaming is not so hard, but how to go into it became the um, issue for me. I got into Web3 by mining. I was mining, I was mining cryptocurrency like um, by 2016, way wow. back. and That's a long time ago. Yeah, and I was probably the only person doing that in Nigeria. I had the advantage because my um, great-grandfather got lucky. No, he he didn't get lucky. (laughs) He um, did a deal with um, this oil company, and I was getting steady power supply for free. So that was my luck. And then he said, oh, let me not waste this. Let me not waste this opportunity. Um, a lot of other people were buying tokens, but I thought, let me mine. And um, mining will allow me to be able to hold it for a longer period of time, essentially because, basically because I wasn't spending anything to mine it anyway. So I set up my farm and I started mining. And that was how I got into the, the space. And lucky for me, that worked out pretty well. It yielded some some good rewards in the long run. And then I started asking myself, what do I do next? Do I just want to be the miner? Mm. And I said, no, I want to go into gaming. And when I started talking about this with some of my um, friends, it seemed weird to them because, Rafael, we know what you do. You are more hands-on. You're more the electrical, kind, like more hardware person. You love your mining thing. I said, yeah, but I love gaming as well. So um, I started talking to friends and one person just clicked, um, which is uh, Matt um, Drake. We all call him Drake. Uh, Drake is um, the, the lead at um, Pirate Chain, which is this cool um, anonymous um, token community. He's really, really cool guys. I think that's basically where I found myself within the crypto space. Those guys, like they were, they were the first family I had. And uh, uh, the first question was, who can give these games? games? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a funny question, but but at the time we're starting, starting, it was a serious question. 
who can build these games? Like, who can? Mm. Uh, we started looking out for people. Eventually, Drake was more and on when he came to getting people because he is, is in the US, so he knew some people and being the lead of his community, he had a lot of people that I could reach out to. And I, I also tried as well to reach out to people, but um, I couldn't get Nigerians because there weren't so many Nigerians involved in blockchain development, let alone gaming. That's a whole other level in that regard. So mm. I couldn't get, but I, I but the only Nigerian got on board. We managed to build the team um, and expand. Currently, we have about 20 something persons working at the company. And the rest work. Uh, when we launched by June, we uh, I think we, you know, um, did a token raise. We raised almost a million dollars. And that afforded us enough to be able to start working, like do a lot of stuff. Even though we had, you know, personal funds from um, previous experiences, <laughs> but to be that what we're working on, and it's been um, twenty months now that we've been at it, and we currently have a game available on um, the on our site. It's um, prop pirate is a prop hunt um, kind of game, uh, hunter and a property kind of game. Um, if you're into gaming, you would um, know how that is. And our flagship game is Nightlight Drifting. Nightlight Drifting is is the like it's it's what I want to see in Web three. We started building it because we we got tired of the kind of games we were seeing. They were like, no, let's do this. But it's a huge task. Trust me. Mm. It's not because those guys don't see it. They know these kind of games are necessary. But they understand that the work behind building those kind of games is a lot. But, you know, being the the... Um, game file that that we have, we just had to jump at it and say no, 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 no. We need to do it, and um, we've been building building nightlife drifting for, um, I think about ten months now. It's been a while, honestly. Wow. Been at it for a while now, and um, we're almost doing a pre-seed raise, equity raise. So that we can be able to get more people on board and finish out the, the product. Another cool thing that we're working on, like this one is really, for me, it's a changer, is a, a gaming platform. You, you have Steam on for more Web2 games, but you don't really have anything like Steam on Web3. So we start, started working on that a while back, and we said, we're going to have this platform. We're going to allow third-party um, game developers to build their games and put it on the platform. And even if you're a Web2 game developer, you can bring your game to us, we'll make it Web3 and put it on the platform, you know, so we can promote Web3 gaming, so we can be able to help with the transition from Web2 to Web3. And that's not been done yet. So it's something that we're very excited about um, moving forward. There are so many other cool stuff that we've been working at lately, but you know, 
it's but I think the the all I can say is um, gaming is work, you know, and but also it's a really all right, yeah. So Raphael, so you mentioned about funding, raising your pre-seed funding right now, so that you can you can work on building your product. So can you tell us about uh, the state of funding? What is funding like for Web three startups globally? Maybe you can focus on on like the gaming uh, sector, you know, of Web three, and um, if you can talk about it in Africa or maybe even drill down to Nigeria, how is this space like in terms of funding generally? for Web3 uh, games? Within the general blockchain space in... Uh, there's been a lot of um, funding being thrown around. I mean, um, even though I, I know usually fintechs, any kind of financial um, tech gets the bigger um, share of, of um, raise these days, you know, because of the African market usually fintech fintech is always exciting so if you're talking about race within um, africa and nigeria i think it's mostly looking at fintech for when it comes to gaming uh not so much within um africa um it's not really a a big deal for us just yet i i mean when i started um, nightlife i i wasn't really looking at say um specific to africa it's a global product. Everybody plays video games. Yeah. So it's not something that um, we're selling to one specific region. So if you were talking about funding in gaming and blockchain gaming, it has to be looking at it globally. And um, in a global perspective, uh, let me let me throw some, some figures at you. Right now, um, according to uh, a report from from that proper yeah, radar. In the month of July, which is um, a couple of months um, back, more than 70, uh, 57% of blockchain activities were related, related to gaming. It means that most people involved in crypto, in blockchain, are looking at gaming. They're interested in gaming. They want to participate in gaming because they see it as a next level. And also, um, we, according to other reports, you will see that about $2.5 billion was raised in games in Q1 of 2022. $2.5 billion. Wow, that's raised. amazing. Yeah. And th th this is not like last year, for the whole of last year, it was $4 billion. Which means that just that's roughly one. what African startup raised in total. In total, yeah. So you see that gaming, blockchain gaming is gaining a lot of ground. It's a big deal right now, and a lot of um, companies, uh, a lot of VCs, a lot of funds are looking on how they can be able to get into it. They're looking at getting the pie. I mean, by speculation, it's estimated that the funding within this space could rise up to $10 billion by the end of this year, which is not so far away, but deals are happening. People are making deals, people are closing rounds, and it's exciting. When we we started our own round, but we're doing a pre-seed round of $2.5 million currently, and 
we've, we've seen a lot of feedbacks. You know, there are so many people that are interested right now to say, okay, let's move forward. So, you know, it's it's really exciting when you see the amount of people that are interested in getting involved. Although um, I have to bring this back to Africa, the 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 feedback or the the drive is not the same when you when you look at it from the from Africa uh, Africa perspective. I I keep telling people, I'm in a unique position where I build a product or uh, a company that is not local, that is taking content globally, and I'm not general. I'm not basically taking African content. I'm taking normal, like global content, and selling it the global audience, which is um, quite peculiar given the situation that you see with the average African founder. The average African founder is building for um, Africa. You know, his product is targeting Africa, which is quite, on, um, which is quite a, a good deal because um, there are so many situations that need, that need um, solutions in Africa. But for us, it's a global is entertainment. It's like music. Music is for everybody. As far as you can vibe to it, as far as you can enjoy it, as far as you can get entertained by it. So that's where we found ourselves. That's why I see we I I um, look at us like a global brand because we are look we are um, approaching, we're interacting with the global community and we are interacting with the global market and our funding is most likely going to be coming from the global market as well. And it's huge right now. Blockchain gaming is huge. Uh, when you talk about blockchain gaming, Metaverse come up and, you know, when you mention Metaverse, a lot of people get excited and you, the money is pumping into that direction, which is really, really cool and um, pumps me up for what happens in the future. Absolutely, that, that that's cool. Uh, so, as we round up, Raffle, is there any other thing you'd like to share with us? Why? Oh, okay. I think I I really enjoyed the session. I usually tell people um, just just tell me to talk about gaming and anywhere, any day, just wake me up and say, "Raff, come and talk about gaming," and I'm up for it. Because I love talking about gaming, I, it's a passion for me, and I love building the product of a building. And you know, I'm I'm making an attempt to try and see uh, how I can get more Africans excited about gaming as I am. You know, um, which is why I started doing some esports tournaments um, on a different brand called Esports Tribe. And I'm seeing a lot of interactions from that end, like people are interested. Also, I also want to see Nigerians, Africans get involved in the game development uh, business as well. Uh, a lot of these companies are not here. They are not founded by Nigerians. They are not um, located in Nigeria. Uh, well, I'm myself, my company is not founded here in Nigeria. Some reasons, and most of my my uh, 
colleagues are not Nigerians, they are foreign, even though they are sourced from different parts of the world. The fact is, they are not Nigerians. And I would want to see a situation where a Nigerian can be able to, you know, play a key role in the power company moving forward, you know. So, yeah, I want people to get more involved, find out what's happening within the space and, you know, apply yourself. And you'll be surprised what happens. I mean, that works for me. (laughs) All right, nice. Thank you, Raphael, for sharing that. It's really been an exciting conversation with you. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it's awesome talking to you. Like I said, yeah. I fulfilled my wish of being on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Raphael. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure, you know, having you on the show, uh, and it's, it's really been a very great conversation. And and that reminds me of uh, I think one of the episodes I did uh, with Michael Oscar, is the founder of Africa Comic Kid. And he's also very passionate about games, all right? I think he, re- he recently hosted a conference uh, about games as well. I think maybe last week or two weeks ago, you know? So I, I think there are a lot of, you know, young Africans that are really passionate about the space, the, this creative economy. And I, and I think it's a call, you know, for the government just to listen, uh, you know, to create funding and opportunities, you know, for these great ideas, for these amazing, powerful ideas in the space. And who knows, Nigeria can actually be a powerhouse, you know, for gaming in the world. Uh, I can imagine how much that can contribute to our GDP. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, we keep pushing for this and hopefully uh, we build the Africa, the Nigeria of our dreams. Thank you very much, Raphael. And thank you everyone for listening uh, to this amazing episode. If you enjoyed it, uh, feel free to share with your friends and let us keep the conversation going. See you next time. Bye.